Thanks for listening to the Drummer's Weekly Groovecast. You can contact the show at twitter.com forward slash dwgroovecast and through Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Drummer's Weekly Groovecast. Good evening. I am warning you right now, if you touch my drums, I will stab you in the neck with a knife. Ain't a book. <laughs> Ain't a book. Mom! Take it easy. Lower it. I don't I'm not going to lower it. I have to do this now. I don't want you to play it, but lower it. Well, we going to straighten out? No, we had a problem. I mean, uh, we tried to do everything we could. What do you mean? Well, you know what I mean. Nice. Little trouble there. You're rushing. Yeah, well, you know, that's just like uh, your opinion, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Philly never disappoints, does he? I hear that same full first four, and I'm just, like, excited by that and of three and of four wonderfulness he does on the hi-hat. Starting next week, John is going to talk about all the transcriptions that he's done of Philly Joe, including the fours from Billy Boy. It'll be the shortest podcast in history. I thought you were going to demonstrate them for us, man, on our YouTube page. Um, yeah, <laughs> maybe Philly cheese steak. <laughs> let's I'll, let, I'll make one. Let's let that video, s- we'll let that sit there in silence for a little while. Ugh. You know, Ugh. John, how's your life? How you doing, buddy? Man, I'm okay. Um, I, uh, I'm just trying to shape the minds of young children that have fallen in my lap. It's exciting. Cool. Man, boy, that's 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 gonna that's a great segue into the topic for the day. How about that? I'm telling you, you never know. You never know. That's for sure. But before we do that, as always, we will tell you how to get in touch with us. As always, you can reach out to us through our email account. That's the Drummers Weekly Groovecast at gmail.com. You can always get in touch with us as well through our Facebook page, which most of you guys like doing. That's uh, Facebook.com forward slash Drummers Weekly Groovecast. And for the 140-character favorites, you can always try us at Twitter, twitter.com forward slash DWGroovecast. We look forward to hearing from you. So as always, please let us know what you're up to and what you would like to hear from us. Well, today, what we're going to be talking about, a little bit of a controversial subject. And I'll give you my two cents on kind of how we got settled on this topic. But the topic that we're going to talk about today is drumming as a career forward slash or colon choosing it versus knowing that you're going to do it. It's kind of a heady, heady topic there, isn't it, John? Yeah, it is. But man, um, as, as kind of wide open as that is regarding opinion, and that's pretty much what we'll be driving home today it, it there's some inherent thing in in the majority of us that have gone on to make a career of it that um you just you know we're going to touch on like you just kind of know and it's it's a weird ominous sort of subject but we can speak to our experience and yeah. and and let me say this this show is not to be of the discouraging 
kind. It's that's not what this is about at all. Is if anything else, we want to empower you with this, and and also for for those folks who just know, we want to we want to tell you that you're on the right path. So this is yeah, this is certainly not something that we're trying to do, necessarily discourage people from. We just want to empower you and make you feel good about the path that you're on is really what it's about. And the way that we came up with this topic today um, is best explained in a short story from my past, John. I'm listening. Yeah. Uh, as <laughs> uh, Well, at least I know one person's <laughs> listening, right? So um, do not do as I do. Just do as I say right. and listen to Phil. So the the way this topic got um, got broached was a few years ago. I have a couple of kids that were in elementary school, a very good elementary school, and um, they had a wonderful music teacher, which is it's somewhat of a rarity these days. One that that schools have music teachers. You know, with a, and that are dedicated to doing what they're they're doing. You mm-hmm. know, so that's that's a boon in itself. Um, but she was just incredibly active with these kids, and she also knew that a handful of her students at that time had parents that were professional musicians. Uh, they she knew that she had, of course, me that was you know a working drummer. She also had several other parents that were involved as working musicians in, in like the Atlanta Opera, the Atlanta Symphony, some other just working musicians that were in the community. So she, she had a little bit of a pool to draw from. She had a working drummer and some working musicians, is what you're saying. John, you would find fault in anything that I do. No, 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 no. That's just a... How long have we been married, man? And now, now you're bringing this up? Go on. It was just, it was just poking fun at a bad joke, and you've internalized and taken this so sensitive. Just go on. Look, we're going to talk about this in counseling next week. All right. All right. So before I was so rudely interrupted, <laughs> getting back to to my kid's music teacher, she sent a brief homework assignment home for the parents that were professional musicians, Mm -hmm. the five or six of us that were musicians. And what it was, was it was kind of a little essay question. And I think that she had the preconceived notion that the answer to this question was going to be a unanimous yes and I threw that curve <laughs> where it was a no. And so to keep you guys or to get you guys off the edge of your seat because you're wondering, what, what is that question? The question was essentially this, and I'll paraphrase it because it, it was a little bit of an elongated question. But the gist of the question was, would you advocate choosing a career in music? I said no. No. <laughs> I said Didn't no. Didn't even pause. Yeah, yeah. And 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 again, let me say this. This is not to be this negative 
kind of thing. It's not to be something, you know, that's condemning choosing a career or the music business just in general, right? Mm-hmm. I, I'm, I came at it from a very different slant or from a very different angle. And again, like I said, I think this, this nice lady was, was really trying to get everyone on board to go, yes, you can choose, you know, music as a career and it's going to be great. It's this fulfilling and rewarding thing. Um, and in some ways it absolutely is, but I took it from a different slant, as I said, John. And what I told her was this. I said, I feel like that if you get to a point of being, you know, being a musician and this is going to be a career, you know it. You don't have a choice. I used to have a friend that used to say, music chooses you, you don't choose it. I would wholeheartedly agree with that. Right. And so I explained that in the the homework assignment. I said, look, if you have these other options, like in other words, if you're a kid or even if you're, you know, like a college student, young adult, and you're sitting there go, well, let's see. I can be I'd be happy being an accountant. Hmm, I'd be happy being a physicist. And I would be happy being a musician. I got to choose one of those. I would say, don't choose the music side of that. Don't do it. Or at least explore the other side to a great deal. Yeah. The other option. And so that that's that's what I'm talking about. Now, for myself uh, to to kind of give my reason for why I said what I said on this homework assignment, mm-hmm. it was essentially this: I knew from the time I was probably 15 or 16 years old. I had just been playing for a couple of years at that time. But I knew enough that I would never have like a nine-to-five desk job. Now, how I don't know how you know, but you just know. You just know. You just know, you know. Yep. I knew that I would never have that. I would never have a nine-to-five desk job. And I knew that what I was going to be doing was going to be involved in the music business, that I was going to be playing, I was going to be teaching, I was going to do all the different things that musicians do to make their living. Mm -hmm. It's just, that's how I knew, is that it just came to me. I just knew there was no choosing. That was my basis for the entire thing. Okay. So what we're going to talk about today is we're going to talk about some of these different things that come with knowing that you're going to be a professional musician. And the things that we'll call it the trappings of being a professional musician. And these are just things that you know that it's going to happen, but you're fine with it. You're okay with it. And so if you're one of these folks that are kind of sitting on the fence, you know, if you think you got another career path, you're going to go down. We're going to tell you what to expect as a professional musician. And the first thing that I'm going to say is this. If you are a professional musician, whether you realize it in your brain or not, you are officially starting your own business as a sole proprietor. Okay? And you can think of it like this. A lonely proprietor. I'm not sole. Sole. Sorry. Okay. I was missing. S-O-U-L. Sole proprietor. One would hope. Yeah. There's some people that are soulless proprietors, but they 
playing symphonies and stuff. Episode 19. <laughs> so, uh, uh, but yeah, so what that means is as a professional musician, you are not necessarily going and renting commercial property and stocking shelves as a sole proprietor, but you are, you are establishing your own business. And we did address in a, a previous podcast about what it's like to establish yourself in a town right? To establish yourself as a working musician. That's part of this process that we're talking about. But yeah, you are going to establish yourself as a business owner is essentially what it is. And if you're a person that doesn't have a good bit of self-motivation from the standpoint of like, look, this is my own business and I've got to create this thing from the ground up. There's your first sign. Oh boy, that sounds like a comedian. There's your sign. Mm Mm-hmm. So that, that's the first thing, because if, if you're a, uh, a person who is expecting health insurance benefits, huh? bing, or a 401k. I, I'd like a 1953k, <laughs> relatively thin, dark. What about a paid vacation? oh surely you jest but you know that you are a comedian see so that that's that's what i'm getting at here that's just the beginning and again if if this is something that you know you're going to do you just know that that's that's part of it you know that's part of it i'll tell you what that speaking to the knowing what you're going to do about the same age as you it I don't have a real clear um, and pointed mindset or some specific thing that happened. But about the same time, early in high school, um, my experience was, you know, I liked playing sports. I wasn't an amazing athlete by any means, but I enjoyed it. I was good enough to make the team and all that. And, you know, I was playing hockey through middle through uh, middle school and junior high, if you will, and my freshman year in high school, I got in the the jazz band at my high school, which was a a really fantastic program and all that, and it was just like that, like not even a thought. Mm-hmm. Hey, you gotta you gotta decide what you're gonna do. I was done with hockey, like. Yeah. Like as soon as do came out of someone's mouth, like, yeah, I'm done with that. Yeah. I'm going to play. And then even crazier, I can remember thinking, okay, I'm not crazy about school. You know, talking about nine to five, I knew just sitting Mm -hmm. in class was a perfect example of why I knew a nine to five wasn't going to work. I hated it. But I also remember thinking as a freshman in high school, I got to do what I got to do as far as grades, to be able to play and to get to where I want to be, which is I can't quit school at 16 and go play rock and roll. I mean, maybe, but probably not. That's a path that I wouldn't wish on anyone. But uh, that was it, man. I can't explain it, but you know. And if you don't have that just, you know, smack in the face, no questions asked, 
mindset, your advice is sage in that you, you probably ought to look into some other potential paths. Isn't it funny that the passion that you have for music, or you could even say somebody else who's a successful entrepreneur, the passion that they have for opening up a, you know, say a pet store or whatever you have like that, mm-hmm. that that kind of passion and that kind of knowing that this is your calling for what you're going to do, man, it trumps all uncertainty. You know, it's the kind of thing, again, we want you to realize that if, you know, if this is the thing that you're going to do, the problems that arise that are the bumps in the road, you're going to take care of them. You figure it out. You figure it out along the way. And, you know, it's the kind of thing also that, that myself being a student or being a teacher, well, I'm, I'm always the eternal student, we'll say, but being a teacher, it's the kind of thing that when I'm surrounded by these students, the ones that know that they're that that's what they're going to that's what they're going to do you know that they, hey I'm I am going to be a professional musician there's no question even in their mind at the young age of that that's of that's what they're going to do they might ask me about these potential bumps in the road as well they should as well they should i've never had one student that knew that after i told them about all these things look you're going to have to put these hours in and you know you're not going to have this available to you and you're not going to have this available to you and you're not going to have i've never had one of them that knew stop and go well i'm going to own a landscape company you know after that mm-hmm. they've always kept going because i mean i would say virtually every professional musician they they, they do the same thing. In other words, they know that these bumps are coming up in the road. They know you're going to have problems, you know, trying to get a mortgage the majority of the time unless you've, you know, been in a platinum selling band or whatever. The the trappings of being a, you know, self-employed person. There's all kinds of weird things that happen oh, yeah. with that. Well, you know? even, on a, even on a more just um, frustrating level is how many people don't understand and are saying, oh, that's a mistake. You can't do that. Either. And how many people have just looked beyond that? Like, no, I'm not accepting that as, mm-hmm. as the, the, you know, be all and end all for my life. And you just do it. But yeah, I, I think with creatives, there's this sort of this built in perseverance that, um, you know, I, I don't ever remember just like being just, steam coming on my ears like no you can't tell me that i don't do this i'm gonna do this no one can tell me and it's me against the world i never ever remember any of that it was just like what do i got to do where do i need to be who do i need to associate with in order to do what i want to do which is play drums and so there's some defeatist attitude if if you are kind of in that defensive mode and you know, on occasion, you might have to tell someone, your mom or somebody like, hey, this is what I really want to do. Mm-hmm. I can always go back to school, whatever, all those things. But in general, I just you're just focused on it. And you know, and you do what you got to do. And we know a million people that have done it. And that that's a fascinating thing when you think about it, you know. The odds are stacked against you and you're just like, I don't care. Well, you know, when when I was getting myself established... Like when I was either in school studying or had just gotten out of school, 
these kind of hardships that we look back on now that we've talked about in the past, these things like, hey, man, I'm eating ramen noodles this week, mm-hmm. you know. Well, I guess I'm gonna the 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 TV's gonna be uh, gonna be without TV for a, for a little while until I get this, until I get this figured out. It's this man. That's just the stuff you just you just accept it and move on. And I, it's yeah. I, yeah. I can't even remember thinking, oh, what a drag. Right. I mean, maybe like you know, on occasion I was thinking about a steak or something, but I could always go home. <laughs> Yeah, right. See my mom. You know, hey, what's up? Oh, right. sure, I'd love a steak. Right, and and I mean, <laughs> but we're... N- nonetheless, I don't remember ever being like, oh, I can't believe I don't have cable TV. Right, and it didn't matter. Right, we're we're not trying to like romanticize this by by any stretch of the means either. But again, what we're trying to to kind of get the point across is is that everything is pretty much secondary. Right. You know, in other words, these these creature comforts and these other things that that we're fortunate enough now to have, you know, weren't always there. And, and again, you can even take something as, as huge as, and not that we're not even intimating on any kind of a level that we're any, anywhere like near the shark tank people. But if you, if you look at the stories of the shark tank, you know, the, the hosts on mm-hmm. there, virtually every one of them have, a similar story to what we're talking about and would tell you the same thing when it comes to like entrepreneurship, which is again, what, what you are, you're starting your own business is that you have to have the passion and be solely focused on it and be willing to, to do whatever it takes, you know, to get you from point A to point B. Yep. Yeah. And you know, another aspect of this that should be known is that you're going to have to make, a fair amount of like personal life and family style kind of sacrifices that just comes with, that comes with the badge, right? You know, when you're opening up your own business, so to speak. And like I said, it's not, not endemic just to musicians, but again, if you own a small store, you know, the business comes, comes first a lot of times. Yeah. It's just inevitable. You have to, you're the, you're the one who's going to keep it afloat. Yeah, your efforts, your sacrifice, and it—it it, it really is. Uh, you do what you got to do, you know. Yeah, and and it can be a drag, man. I, there are times when I look back and I'm like, you know, oh man, you know, I wish I could have been there for this or that, and I missed this and that. But I wouldn't change it, given you know the choice in that I'm doing what I was put on this earth to do, and I truly believe that. Yeah. Well, it's how many times, John, have you had to use a statement that's similar to this? Let's say you're there's a family get together or a family, whatever it is, you know, and you've been invited and almost expected to go. But it falls right in the middle of, you know, a job commitment, a work music commitment. And you use a statement somewhere along along the lines of, of I'm going to honor my family member by honoring my commitment Mm-hmm. to this to this gig to this you know this music to this job well i mean and sometimes it's just are you do you have a choice yeah like in our case hey i'm not going to be able to make that wedding because i have eight hundred dollars worth of work and it's going to cost me twelve hundred dollars to go to that wedding you're behind the eight ball so much that you know, what are you going to be evicted or, you know, you can't eat, you can't make your car payment. You know, these are realities that, Mm -hmm. 
that you're going to face and you have to hope that people understand, but sometimes make a decision like, I can't put myself or my family in that hole. And it's a drag, but it is what it is. And, you know, I, I, like I was blessed with a family who largely understood right. about that kind of thing. And, you know, I, I also grew up with the advantage of my parents preaching, do what makes you happy. So for them to all of a sudden call me out on something, they'd be like kind of hypocritical. Like, oh, what you said do what makes me happy. Playing makes me happy. Right. So. Yeah. You well, know, I never put that in anybody's face, but that influence was huge in my decision to do what I wanted to do. Sure. And it, as you get a little bit older and as you start having your own family, you know, if you have a spouse or partner, it is absolutely paramount that they're on the same page. That yeah. they, If they don't necessarily share your same passion at least they completely understand the situation. Right. Yeah, I know. In in, I'm sure in your case too. You know, they're like my wife sometimes will. She's going to Florida to see her family and taking my son with her, and I can't go. I got to work. You know, these things uh, are just inevitable, and someone that understands that makes life a lot easier. That's for sure. And, yeah. and we uh, unfortunately know people that have someone in their life that isn't as understanding and it makes it just it's torture tough. Yeah. Really brutal. Yeah. So that's something that, you know, you have to be prepared for. And you also, you know, communication skills in regards to that kind of thing is vital. You can't fly off the handle. You can't just, you know, bury your head in the sand or draw the line. You know, you have to compromise. There's times there have been circumstances where I had to go do something. You know, I had, I got to go to this event and I'm going to lose money and I have to accept it. And so you can't just be, you know, there are a few people we know that have never sacrificed anything regarding a gig. And I don't think that's terribly healthy either on occasion. Yeah, you have to bring some balance to your personal yeah, life. Yeah, and and that's going to go a long way with someone who is understanding the majority of the time. Certainly, yeah. I mean, it, it would be equivalent to like if you had, if you had planned some type of family outing or family vacation four months in advance. You've already made reservations for whatever, and then all of a sudden you get a call for a seventy-five dollar club gig in the middle of it, and then it's all of a sudden it's like, yeah, we got to cancel the entire thing. That's not healthy either. <laughs> yeah, you know. No, no. It's it's usually the. $600 out of town gig that shows up there exactly. or four of them. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, now the next thing I was going to mention actually involves what you just said is that another thing that you have to be aware of is that you just realize as a musician who's doing this as a career, there's going to be the potential for travel. A good bit of it at certain times. I mean, the the only people that I know that are in the music business that really don't do a whole lot of traveling would, would be people who teach for a living. Mm-hmm. You know, that type of thing. But again, it's something that you just know in the back of your mind is that if you're going to be a musician, you have to take the music to the people wherever they are. So 
if you don't have the spirit of adventure, that's another red flag. Yeah, that definitely is, uh, as you get to a certain level, those situations are going to present themselves. And oftentimes they're financially, you know, beneficial to you. And so you have to be prepared for that. And, you know, as far as having a family, you know, you've got to have the game plan to be flexible in that sense and, you know, schedules and, and all that worked out. So things to, to consider. Right. And then, you, you know, there's a whole, there's a whole subheading to this travel thing also. And it's like all of the trappings and potential problems that happen, you know, when you're traveling, because, you know, there are times that you and I, we both travel well. Mm -hmm. And then there are times that things happen. They happen. They happen when you're out there. And if you're not amenable and flexible to that kind of stuff, ooh, boy, that's, that's a bad thing. Yeah. That, I, I think in a, in a lot of ways that kind of takes care of itself too, though. Certain people that are just impossible in those yeah. situations, kind of they get kind of weeded out. So don't be that person. You know, take these opportunities and be flexible and be cool, and, and it'll be pretty rewarding most of the time. Yeah, I mean, if there, if there are flight delays, ground transportation delays, breakdowns what are you gonna do what are you gonna do we, we were in colorado not long ago and we waited two hours because of some mix-up for a passenger van yeah and it's like you went in three times and said hey can we get this resolved we're working on it i mean what are you gonna do just hot wire a van and go because you're ready to go no you know that's just one goofy frustrating thing that you know, if you're not if you're not into that kind of thing or you don't react well to that kind of thing, don't go into music. I mean gigs too. You right. Know? Hey, we got a three hour gig. Ten minutes before you go on. Oh, by the way, it's continuous. There's no breaks. It happens. You know, you gotta and I don't like it. I get cranky as can be under those circumstances, but you can't refuse or, you know, just show your but, John, did they ever tell you about the time I got stranded in the jungles of Columbia? And I don't mean South Carolina. Uh, no, um, I, I'm not familiar with this story. I was on a little tr jazz piano trio tour. And we were in a kind of a outlying city. In other words, not one of the big ones. It wasn't like Bogota or Medellin. Small city mm -hmm. in Colombia. And they don't play by the same rules down there that, that we do. What? No, man. Let me tell you what happened. Come this on. is This is just, just a brief story of some of the things you can expect with travel glitches. This is, this is a good one. Um, this was an airport that we were at that only operated in daylight hours because there were no lights that, after dark. That might be a problem. How about that for you? And on one side of the runway was a mountain, and on the other side of the runway was the terminal. So, Neato. Yeah, right. Well, we had finished our tour. This was the last stop that we had, this small town. And to get back to Medellin, it was a short kind of a 
puddle jumper flight, one of those hour-long flights, right? Little commuter kind of flights. Well, in this little mountain town that we were in, the fog rolled in at about, I guess it was probably about noon or one o'clock. We were supposed to have a flight that went from uh, that little town to Medellin from like 2 to 3 p.m. that day. Well, the fog rolled in. They shut the entire airport down. Mm. There's no lights, man. Shut it down. We had a flight from Medellin back to, I think it was Miami. It's either Miami or, or New York. I can't, it was one of, one of those. We were flying back in, too. And it was the following morning, the flight from Medellin, the international flight, was maybe like at 8 a.m. or 8.30. So we were sunk, right? Mm. Well, man, in a situation like that, doesn't do any good to jump up and down, scream, yell, blah, blah, blah. It ended up that we did make something work out, but we took a passenger van through the uncharted wilderness, mountains and jungles of Colombia to Medellin. It was it was the kind of thing where the distance between this town and Medellin was something like about 110 miles, but it took like five and a half, six hours to do it because you were like, you know, going on these roads that were, you know, on the side of a Road, cliff. cliff. Right. Yeah. Oh, that kind of a thing, no, you know? So that's, that's the kind of stuff that, that you're dealing with here. We're not talking about first class, uh, you know, flying experiences with uh, tea and caviar, sir. So you just, you know, that's the kind of, that's one little thing you have to deal with. Yeah. Yeah. Remind me to tell you about my weekend Mexico sometime. Was it a tortured weekend? Weekend? Was it like a Hunter S. Thompson style weekend in Mexico? Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> Did it involve... Every day was something new and horrific. <laughs> a large Mexican lawyer was, was involved. Oh, we don't have time. Yeah. It's, it's, it's multi-tiered, multi-faceted, and horrifying. John, I think that... All the points that we've said so far, all the, the, the aspects that we've talked about, mm-hmm. it probably is understood. But let's go ahead and say also that when you're starting out, you need not be a money-driven individual. Or when you're finishing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Says the person put out the pasture. Well, and and again, to that point, what we mean is if you do the right thing, all these things we talked about, if you do the right thing, do it with the right heart, the money will come. Now, whether that means that it's avalanches of money, as in, you know, you've you hit the proverbial lottery with like a large band that you're a member of. Your singer is named Bono. Yeah. Yeah. Or Bono. Yeah. Either way. Yeah. Or or if you are just fortunate enough to actually make a living, you know, and, and you figure this thing out, your business is up and going. That's what we mean by, by that is, is not necessarily, you know, being a money-driven person. No, it's definitely a sacrifice of love and calling, for sure. Yeah. And... uh it, you know, that's something that only you can answer because, you know, material things and plush vacations and 
70-inch TVs, stuff like that, you know, if that's important to you, there's a lot of other career paths Yeah, that will make that a lot easier. Yeah. You know, being financially responsible, though, it can, it will definitely have its benefits, you yeah. know, in, in the future. In other words, uh, we, again, we don't want to, we don't want to make this a bleak thing from the standpoint of being discouraging. I mean, if you are financially responsible and, you know, you eat your ramen noodles when you're, when you're 23, by the time you're 43, you, you know, you're, you're going to be in pretty good shape if you've got perseverance and, and you're, you've got any business savvy, you know, at all. It's true. Yeah. And you, you'd be surprised. I I always joke about so many musicians, you know, like I've done this for over 30 years now. And it's always that next slow month. Oh, that's the one. Mm -hmm. It's all over. I'm going to get evicted. I'm not going to eat. I've been saying that for 30 years and I've always somehow got through it. Just sort of, I, I really believe if you're following your calling and, using the gifts God gave you that things typically are going to work out and you have to be mindful of your end of the deal and being professional and responsible and making sound decisions financially and all that. But it, it tends to work out if you're, if you're meant to do this, there's, there's a lot of, I think there's a lot of the proverbial hands on you guiding you yeah, and helping you. Yeah. John, would you mind if I took a few minutes and stood on my soapbox? What am I going to say? No. Come on, man. Well, let, let me. I love your soapbox. Would you mind taking it for me, like setting it up? Um. <laughs> <laughs> soapbox. Will you tech. set up my setup? <laughs> uh, okay. This is, you guys have heard this once or twice, but I'm going to, I'm going to say it again and I'm going to say it from a slightly different angle. Okay. Myself. Pretend I set this up. Yeah. Setting it up. Thank you. Myself being a teacher and seeing lots of students that, you know, have, have no choice, so to speak, and they, they're going to be professional musicians, had, had, many of those. And then there are certain ones that maybe say that they want to do this. Mm -hmm. Let me tell you something that I have kind of developed a little bit of a sixth sense on. And what that is, is I feel like that, that a lot of students these days, one of the biggest issues that they have is a general lack of curiosity about their instrument, a general lack of wanting to research and do things that are off the page, so to speak. In other words, do research on their own, figure things out on their own. I have found that as one of the big dividing lines between students and or people that this may not be the career for them versus ones that they know that it's their career. And that is something that I can't tell you how important it is as a professional drummer, as a professional musician to have 
curiosity from the standpoint of do your research on things. In other words, don't just let a teacher or allow a teacher to put a page in front of you of, hey, here's a whole bunch of bossa nova exercises, and then you work on those bossa nova exercises and never explore how it's practically played. You know, in other words, you've got to do research by listening to the great drummers, the great musicians, Mm -hmm. doing research on other methods, doing research on teaching, doing research on what it's like to go out and play gigs, talk to other drummers, reach out to other professionals, figure out all these different things that it takes to put together a career. You know, that that's the kind of thing that is sorely missing in a lot of young musicians today is that they want a teacher to beat the knowledge into their head. You know, mm-hmm. you know, I I can sit there and, and show somebody, you know, paradiddles and rudiments and things all day long. And, you know, if you don't have the spirit of adventure outside of that to learn how to use them in the practical applications of them, I can show you some things. But you got to take it on your own yeah. at one time or another. So, I mean, that's, man, that's a huge thing to me is, you know, you've got to have some willingness to do some research. Well, there's definitely, there, there's a little bit of, I, I'd say it's a disadvantage in a sense with all the advantages that yeah. people have today in that when we were growing up, you know, you had a few books and you had records to listen to and you hopefully had a teacher that could help you continue developing as a player. If you didn't, you in like in my case, you listened to records and you did everything you could to figure it out and cop it. And, you know, there was not YouTube. There was not, um, you know, online lessons and all these things. And uh, the, the biggest concern I have with younger musicians and and I I hope if you're going to choose this class because quite frankly the music business is going to be more and more challenging and making a living as Mm -hmm. opposed to the opposite is that you um, are not only self-motivated but not falling prey to this immediate gratification mindset that society has kind of come into where, you know, the easiest path, the, um, you know, the immediate results kind of thing. I mean, it's just not going to happen as a player. It's not. You have to put in time. You have to put in research. You have to understand depth and history. Uh And though there are advantages to achieving that, again, don't fall prey to the just immediate gratification and, and results that technology and the modern mindset can influence. Yeah. It's so easy to turn on the computer or, you know, go to YouTube on your phone and, you know, put in, I need to learn like a certain Vinnie call you to lick. And you get that instant gratification, man, of learning that Vinnie call you to lick. But I mean, what is it past that? You know, it's the the whole conceptual approach to playing drums and the entire picture of what it's like to play drums and what it's like to be a professional musician and make a living is, 
I don't know. I think it's it's being lost on a lot of people. And, you know, we're, we're so used to just, like I said, turning on the computer and, you know, looking for the hot lick and working this hot lick. And then, you know, everybody tries to jam it into everything that they play. Fixing your time. Yeah. <laughs> you know, cleaning up a lick. Absolutely. As opposed to, let's do another take. Let me get that together. Let me get my motion with that time. Feel All these things are, you know, we, we become, like Scott Meter said, we become kind of lazy. Yep. And I think to set yourself apart, you, you just, you got to get rid of that mindset and not not be lazy and i'm probably the laziest person you'll ever meet when it comes to drums but a lot of other things we've talked about i've applied to my career and it's worked out oh yeah you know and you you in in other words as you said there's a big picture here it's not just about a lick it's not about being able to play you know the hot gospel chops thing or you know, burning some Philly Joe licks. It's there's a big picture that successful musicians have, right? Way beyond just the application of playing a drum set, right? And it and it and their it instrument. It takes its form over a period of time, right? Mm-hmm. That is a combination of of course working on your technique and of course working on the things that you have to be able to do to be able to express the ideas that you have Mm -hmm. right on your instrument. But also you have to have the conceptual aspect of it, which comes from the research aspect that we talked about before the listening to records, the talking to other players, going out and see other players. You know, there's just a whole lot that's involved in the entire thing. That's that's, as I like to say, it's off the page. Definitely. You know, so, John, to kind of wrap it up, do you have anything else you want to say? Um, I just say another thing that we didn't touch on. I, I think just hanging with like-minded people that are, you know, like that was a real blessing for me is yeah, kind of being at least a little core group of people that were really kind of on the same page and understood without going into any detail where your head was and what you were focused on and what you wanted to do, you know, search those people out. Don't search out the negative naysayers or the person who's wearing you out about something to fall back on and all these things. If you know what you want to do, find the like-minded people work together, help each other, encourage each other, try to grow as players, as, you know, friends, as, you know, peers, that can be a big part of it. I mean, like, it's kind of like a gang or something. You know, I mean, like, I'm, I happen to have, I can think of different times in my life where there were people that were, we're all together here, you know? You have any cool gang signs, man, that you can show me um, with your hands, you know, the cool things? I, I've used one sign quite a bit in my life, and it, Never goes over well, so I'm trying to break myself of that habit. It's international sign language, of course, but it not to like pull the curtain back from Oz, but would it be considered like a left hand traditional grip kind of a thing? You could actually extend a finger a little bit. Yeah, yeah, that's that. Yeah, (laughs) that that's kind of. I guess you could apply it to that. Well, 
like John said also, myself and and himself, we both play with people that we've known for 30 years. Mm-hmm. We were able to surround ourselves with with like-minded people. And those relationships, those those personal and business relationships will do you good, man, during these these times. Oh, it's it's crazy. I mean, I literally I'm where I'm at in Atlanta because of my best friend of 30 plus years. Yeah. You know, I mean, there you go. And and most musicians will tell you that that that's a, a common theme in their well, career and development and all that, that the people from way back one of the are gr- influential. Yeah, in one of the great benefits of going to a music school, especially a high-profile music school, is that you will be surrounding yourself with like-minded individuals. That's great. You're right. You know, we, we discussed that in a previous podcast, but yeah, mm-hmm. that's that's one of the great benefits of it. So, well, anyway, guys, we're going to wrap this thing up today with another segment, and our segment today is going to be great underappreciated drum tracks. And so, John, you want me to go first today? Sure. Gotcha. The drum track that I'm going to talk about today is from the great Omar Hakim. And Omar Hakim has had, he's had a pretty varied and storied career over his, uh, I guess, probably last 40 years of playing almost, something like that, 35, 40 years. Yeah, uh, I'd say... You know, early 80s, he really kind of came on, and, and yeah. it's just been full board since. So I'd say 35 solid years for sure of being up there. Yeah. Well, that's the period of his career that I'm going to draw from, cool. sir. And the track that I'm going to talk about today is from the great fusion band Weather Report, and it's from the Domino Theory album, which I believe is about 1984-ish, maybe 85, somewhere in that ballpark. And it's a little tune called the D-flat waltz. Mm. Yeah. Omar Hakim is playing his tail off on this thing, man. Yeah, it's a uh, it's a little tune in three, hence the D-flat waltz, right? But it is a- approached rather differently. You know, it, it's, it's a song that's got these different sections that you know that that Omar Hakim plays these different time patterns through these wonderful kind of kind of innovative interesting patterns in 3 that that kind of go between um like a a linear fusiony kind of a thing and then like a straight up swing in 3 mm-hmm. that he goes from time to time uh, that he goes through from time to time and there's a section in particular in this song that a lot of musicians like to talk about because it's it's somewhat unique they do like a live band fade in the middle of this song where they're playing they're doing this little vamp and it sounds like at first that hey the the song's fading out Mm -hmm. but it's the entire band doing like a band fade and then omar just brings them in with a ripping and roaring drum fill you know getting into like the shock chorus when they take it out and and 
it's it's worth listening to, of course, for Omar Hakim. But you know, you've got these other wonderful musicians that that are on there as well. You've got, of course, Joe Zawinul and and Wayne Shorter. That's their band, you know. So you get to hear these guys play on there, and it's also got some nifty, dated like '70s and '80s like keyboard sounds and stuff oh, on yeah. there too, which is which is worth listening to. So that's my guy for the day. We have Omar Hakim from the Weather Report album, Domino Theory, the D flat waltz, and just as a side note, there are many other tracks on there as well that that Omar is just playing his tail off on but that d flat waltz it stands out every time i hear it man it just sounds his playing just sounds so fresh man i mean it's 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 the full package ton of chops just a ton of chops in, but incredible feel yep and just the way that he plays it the concept of how he plays that song and navigates the different um the different parts of the song the different vamps, the different the different aspects of that tune. He just does a great job, man, playing different stuff, but then gluing it all together, making it seamless. So D flat waltz, Omar Hakim, Weather Report, Domino Theory. What an excellent choice, man. Thank you. Omar, we love you. My track today is a really just straight up funky, nasty groove. And uh, the song is an interpretation of A Night in Tunisia by the wonderful Chaka Khan. And the drummer is Casey Shirell, who is unheralded in many ways. This guy played with Gino Vanelli, Jean-Luc Ponty, a great fusionist player, but just with a pocket second to none. Good teacher. Great teacher, Berkeley teacher. He's been, he's been uh, at the forefront of, you know, education for a long time, and just great sound. Gretsch guy, mm-hmm. fantastic mm-hmm. drummer. But this track, man, it is just. There's so much attitude in it, and everyone on that track is just killing it, including Chaka. And there's also an amazing, <coughs> pardon me, break where Charlie Parker's. You know, one bar, ridiculous, mm-hmm. four millionth note. Yeah, riff is doubled by Herbie Hancock on a synth, and but Casey, man, it is just this track is it still makes the hair stand up on my neck when I hear it. It's just so full of attitude and funk and awesomeness. Uh, kind of difficult to find sometimes, yeah. but there's some. I'm I'm sure on YouTube that track is available. It's a great night in Tunisia, Chaka Khan, Casey Shirell, man. Mm. What a monster! First time I ever heard that name and saw him play. I was a kid back in the mid '80s. I went and saw him at a do a clinic at a PASIC. Blown away. Yeah, blown away, and and a great teacher. I mean, just wonderful at explaining and and showing and demonstrating. Incredible, great Incredible. call, man. Thank you, sir. You know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna double dip on one thing really quick. I'm gonna give a singer a prop. All right. Chaka Khan to me is an incredibly underrated jazz singer. Yeah, I agree. Man, talk about delivering mm-hmm. a tune and emotion. Yep, she can do it. I'm gonna I'm gonna give 
an under and here's your your threefer. Uh oh. I gave one. John gave one. I'm going to give you another one, really quick. Another great underappreciated, uh, really an underappreciated album. Listen to the Griffith Park Collection and Echoes of an Era. Lenny White plays drums on there. Chaka Khan sings. Mm-hmm. Good Lord. Lenny White is a bebop monster, man, he is. on there. He's out of his mind. And Chaka Khan sounds equally fantastic on there. Agreed. And Lenny, just people don't know. Yeah. They just are locked into his fusion stuff. stuff yeah. And it's like, mm-hmm. he's. In, I think that his true love is bebop. And you hear it. Sound. Everything he's got it together, man. The sound of his symbols on both Echoes of an Era and the Griffith Park Collection. And let me go ahead and say this on Griffith Park Collection, Chaka does not sing on that, but but Lenny White, it's the same, it's the same set of sessions, right? Okay, but it's it's the thing where it Chick Korea put it together where uh, it's it's a little bit like the Return to Forever band, but playing straight ahead stuff. Chaka Khan sings on the Echoes of an Era album and there's actually another echoes of an of an uh era album where um I was oh say it was kind of a series yeah i'm trying like to think who nancy wilson right. sings on the other one right. that's what it is yeah but it's the same rhythm section in the same band and lenny white has got some of the most fantastic sounding old k's is what it sounds like mm-hmm. i mean incredibly warm wonderful trashy sounding symbols on there and for our listeners of the show here when you hear the intro, our little intro theme, there's a brief section of like this burning Latin groove that's on there. That is actually Lenny White back in the late 60s playing with Joe Henderson live at the Lighthouse. Nice. So yeah, there's a little bit of Lenny White straight ahead Latin stuff for you. So wow, I, did, I didn't see this going in this direction. Hey. But man, that's a great call on the I love it. Casey Sherrell slash Chaka Khan that led into that. We are not scripted. Let it be known. If you couldn't figure that out, we're trading fours. <laughs> All right, John. Anything you want to put a button on this thing today? Um, just go all in if you're going to do this. Yeah, and it's going to work out, man. That's that's exactly right. Go, you know, you go into it realizing that there's going to be pitfalls along the way, but you're accepting it. Things are going to work out. Surround yourself with good people of like mind, and it's going to be great. You're going to figure it out, and you will be better for it and happier for it. Absolutely. All right, folks, we love bringing the show to you. Every Monday, subscribe to us. We're on iTunes, Google Play Podcasts, Podbean, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and your all your favorite podcast apps. Every Monday, a new show is posted. Reach out to us. Let us know how you feel about things. You can catch us at our email address, drummersweeklygroovecast at gmail.com. You can reach out to us on Facebook, Facebook facebook.com forward slash drummersweeklygroovecast and Twitter, twitter.com forward slash dwgroovecast. We will see you next Monday. Until then, keep it in the pocket. Goodbye. And you knew who you Mr. We could use a man like Herbert Hoover again. People seem to be content. Fifty dollars paid your rent and freak.
Crooks were in a circus tent. Ha! Those were the days. Those 